This is a new dimension in sound. The sound here has been recorded on the tape magnetically. This is us. We're back. Oh my god. Oh my god, Dave. <laughs> Dave. It's time for your medication, Mr. Bell. Welcome to episode number two of A Dave in the Life. And this week it gets a little bit darker and a little bit dirtier, but constantly real because Scott Ian of Anthrax joins us. He's in the country for his one-man right spoken word tour. September 24th in Adelaide, the 26th in Melbourne, the 29th of September in Sydney and the 1st of October in Brisbane. Dinnerforwolves.com for your tickets. I caught up with a great man to talk about his own infamy, his legacy with Anthrax and that time he caught Nine Inch Nails having a Fruit Loop Enema contest. Hello? G'day Scott, how you going? Oh, good. How are you? I'm doing really good, mate. Uh, we're about to say right now. You just you just came off stage. Yeah, yeah. No, well, we already played tonight. It's it's already done. Is it is it hard to to balance out as a human being after coming off stage? Do you do you find like moments of immense loneliness after coming off stage to a room full of adulation to going back to your hotel room and just kind of sitting there? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, there's there's nothing like coming back to a, a hotel room and showering and eating some food and watching a movie after playing. It's extremely exhausting and and uh, um, so yeah. So that that time after a show when you get to relax and just kind of decompress is um, is awesome. Mate, well, you're coming out to this country real soon, not in band mode, but as a one-man ride. That's the name of the tour. We'll get all the details up after the show this afternoon. But I want to say, look, firstly, it's not very often I watch Fox Business News at all, but uh, to research an interview, you pop up on Fox News. And secondly, I never thought in my lifetime I'd hear Fox discuss Nine Inch Nails and a Fruit Loop Enema contest. So thank you for ticking that life box for me. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Is is that up there with one of the craziest things you've ever seen or been involved with throughout your your history as a rock and roll roller? Yeah, it would certainly be one of the weirdest, I, I, I guess, because I've never seen it since. Um, I've never I've never seen a serial. Uh, what was it? Uh, I've never seen an animal contest with bowls of cereal involved since that night. So, um, yeah, it's, it definitely was. Uh, I don't know if I could say it's. The weirdest, craziest, or it was just a, an odd anomaly. <laughs> I walked into a room that I wasn't, shouldn't have walked into. Um, yeah, that, that's that's definitely up there. You can find this story and many other fantastic stories in Scott's uh, recent book, Access All Areas, Stories from a Hard Rock Life. You might have been lucky enough to hear more in depth about this in his one-man ride tour. But you're, you're, you're a pretty cool guy. Have you ever fucked up and gotten weird and fanboy with, with an idol or a peer throughout your years? Has it ever gone uh, pear-shaped in a social situation for you? No, because I'm really good at keeping that it, you know, I'm really good at keeping it and using my inside voice. So I may be standing there with, you know, somebody that I'm a huge fan of. Um, but, uh, you know, on the in, I'm looking calm and cool on the outside and like acting like I belong there having a conversation. But on the inside, no, I'm like 14 years old and I'm screaming and, you know, losing my mind and, um, yeah, I mean, that's happened many times, so whether it's someone like 
even now, I mean, I've known Gene Simmons from Kiss for a long time, and uh, but even still, when I'm around him, in my in my inside voice is the 13 year old kid, you know, <laughs> living in my mother's apartment in 1977, uh, running around the house, you know, playing air guitar to Kiss songs and just going crazy. That's going on in my brain while I'm standing there, like talking to Gene about. Jewish deli food in New York City, like you know, um, yeah, it's it, it. But I've learned how to do that really well over the years. Just keep keep inside voice. <laughs> Absolutely, that's a great piece of advice. And if you ever are fortunate enough to to meet the great man as Scott has, make sure you're wearing a Kiss band T-shirt because if it's any other, he's not going to be real stoked on it. We are taking to Scott Ian from Anthrax this afternoon for your driving. Mate, I found over the years that, that the metal fans can be the most passionate, knowledgeable, and perhaps at times overzealous. Do you ever find yourself shocked or surprised by the level of knowledge and passion that your that your fans bring? No, no, I, I, I I've never underestimated the audience ever. Um, because look, I, I'm one of them. I, I would hate for someone to to pigeonhole me or, or, you know, or think that I was some kind of an idiot just because of the music I listened to. Um, you know, I, I, I would never want to be put, put into that position. So that's something that I would never do to anybody else. I, I've never underestimated the audience at all. And, uh, um, so that's why, yeah, it's, if, if anything, it's more of an expectation, <laughs> you know, most of the, most of the people, you know, expectation of intelligence, let's say. Um, most of the people, whether it's guys in bands that I've met uh, over the last 30-something years, or and even most of the fans I've met over the years uh, have all, you know, it's all people that you could actually hang out and have a conversation with. And I'm not saying everybody. You definitely get your share of idiots <laughs> and morons, but that's in all walks of life. I don't know that there's any... You know, I don't know that there's any occupation where everyone you meet is going to be super smart and, you know, and uh, and have a lot to say about many different subjects and, uh, you know, just be an all-around great person. That, that just doesn't exist. But uh, I would say a high percentage of uh, the metal community, at least in my experience, has, it's been uh, very enjoyable to get to meet people and become friends with people. Mate, and you, you seem very approachable and very friendly. I remember as a, a young journalist many years ago working at a festival, we were walking into a, a hotel foyer in Brisbane, and you were just kind of plonked on a couch in the middle, and just so many people you could see it in their face, they wanted to chat to you. Many didn't. I walked up and said g'day, and you were kind and you were friendly. Do you, as a human being, ever get used to that abstract feeling of infamy that people might be afraid to talk to you? It's hard for me to understand that because... Uh, I could look at myself in the mirror and go, do I look scary? They're <laughs> like, I mean, it's not like, I don't look like Jason Momoa. You know, I could understand why, you know, someone, you know, you look at that guy and be like, oh, maybe I'm not going to go say hi to that dude. He could crush me like a bug. But I'm, you know, I'm like Woody Allen size. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not very threat. I'm not very threatening. So, yeah, that's... I, I never really understand that, but I, I mean, but I, at the same time, I understand that people do get nervous when they come up and talk to me. I, I, you know, I, I, I already know that going in that a lot of people are nervous and maybe they're not going to communicate as well as they normally would, because I mean, what do you say in those situations anyway? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and that's why for that's one of the main reasons why I don't go up to people. I, I see plenty of people that I'm a fan of out places, and uh, whether it be people from bands or actors, sports sports people, uh, you know, sports people. What is it? I should have said athletes, <laughs> but uh, um, you know, plenty of people that I'm I'm a fan of, and uh, I. I generally, as a rule, don't go out to people because really, what, what am I going to say? Yeah. If it's somebody I really, really, really am a fan of, I, I might say, I, I just go in for a handshake and just say, I, I just want to let you know, whatever whatever work it is you that person does, I'll tell them I'm I'm just a really big fan, and that's it. I, I don't I don't hang around longer than that generally, unless there's a reason to if like somehow a conversation gets started but that's really not the norm that's that's definitely very rare for that kind of stuff to happen you're listening to a dave in the life if you haven't already subscribe now then each week you might have to wait for the download it'll just rock up inside you just like that Scott Ian, One Man Ride Tour. It's across the country, September and October. Recent book, Access All Areas. Story from a Hard Rock Life is out now. It's a fantastic read. Go and grab a copy and then go and see the great man live. As you've said plenty of times in interviews, you could talk for, for six hours on stage. Do you decide, is it much like an anthrax set list? Do you get to the venue at night and go, I'm just going to focus on this sort of section of my life tonight? No, it's, no, it's really not as planned as that. Um, you know, I, I do have a whole bunch of stuff to pull from um, when I'm doing these shows. And it's usually within the first 10, 15 minutes of of being on stage, you know, that's when I, I, I kind of start figuring out where I'm going to go because every audience is different. And, um, yeah, like, for instance, a, a, a drunk audience in Dublin is <laughs> much different than, like, a a sober audience in Helsinki because they weren't serving any beer in the theater. I was playing for three hours and you had some very upset fins. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's just as I stood on stage for three hours, drinking beer and telling stories. Um, but you know, I, I, every room is different and, and the people are different. And uh, after I get a few laughs here and there in the beginning, I get a good idea of, all right, I'm going to go this way or this way, you know, just have an idea of what's going to work better tonight. And uh, and then, you know, just kind of go for it. Just wing it. I, I, there's not like any hard rules when I'm up there. I, I, you know, I could stop in the middle of something and just be like, nah, nah this is boring. Let's let's do something else. Like I've, I've done that before. I start to bore myself and then I'm like, all right, I, I don't want to I don't want to tell the story. Let's let's do something better. Years of touring the world, as you said, from from Helsinki to Dublin. Is there is there a favorite part of the world that you want to keep going back to again and again? Is there a, a favorite part of the world that gets you that gets Anthrax more than anywhere else? Uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, look again. Everywhere is different, <laughs> but uh, um, but uh, I guess I would say that overall, uh, on a on a consistency basis. South America, I think not just for us, but for metal in general, the South American audiences are are probably consistently the best ones in the world. Um, I I can't tell you why, you know, I I don't know the socioeconomic 
reasons, you know, for why or this or that. But, um, uh, you know, uh, scientists can figure that stuff out. All I know is when we go play shows there, there's just a level of insanity that exists at shows in South America that doesn't really get to that point. And we play plenty of crazy shows all over the world all the time. It's not like we play to tame crowds anywhere. It's all great. But there's there's just a different level in South America for whatever reason I I don't know, but uh, it, that's I would have to say that would be and I think most guys in metal bands would probably if they're being honest would would answer the question the same way. Yeah, there seems to be some kind of internal syncopation throughout Latin America that just makes the people always ready for a good time and always hospitable. And, and as you said, some of the greatest live gigs ever recorded, ACDC at River Plate, for instance, just incredibly up for a crowd. So we are chatting to Scott Ian. He's up for it. He's in the country back into September, into October. Mate, you've achieved so much as a musician. What are you most proud of within your career? Uh, it's my career. It's... 37 years, you know, just uh, July 18th that just passed a couple of weeks ago was the 37th birthday of Anthrax. And uh, that's what I'm most proud of is the, is the career, is the fact that at some point, you know, we were able to just keep doing this um, and be able to do it, uh, I think, as long as we want to do it. And, you know, I don't know when that specific moment was. Maybe it was when we put out Among the Living. I mean, maybe it goes back 30 years ago and you make that record. And and then suddenly, like now you're calling the shots and we're able to dictate what we want to do for as long as we want to do it. And uh, so for me, that's the thing I'm most proud of. I mean, how, how many people get to be in a band for 37 years? Absolutely. Um, I know a lot, plenty of people in bands, and I know of a lot of bands that didn't want to even be in a band for that long. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but for me, the fact that I get to I get to do this. This is what I do for a living. I, I get to go play my guitar with my friends. You know, that's that's my job description. Um, it's really an amazing thing that this is what I've gotten to do for 37 years. Uh, you know, it's hard to even put that number in, in, in context, you know, who does anything for 37 years anymore. So it's, uh, you know, and it's not like we're stopping. Exactly. We're, I, I don't see I have any problem cruising past 40 and beyond. So, you know, it's, it's just an amazing thing. Does it surprise you the way that rock music has progressed? I was having this conversation with someone the other day, and as a young fellow listening to, to Anthrax and Megadeth, etc., I thought, there's, there's no way I'm ever going to hear this on the radio. And now as a programmer, I look forward to be playing Anthrax and Megadeth and the Big Four on the wireless. Does it surprise you now that, uh, you know, back when we were kids, metal band was just the most brutal, vicious, satanic thing that people could think of, but now it's, it's almost somewhat socially acceptable, I guess? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it has changed in that way. Certainly, you know, certainly stuff uh, that's what they call like heritage acts, things like that kind of stuff, those words get thrown around. Yeah, I mean, Iron Maiden in 2018 is certainly much more socially acceptable than they were in in 1981. Um, But, uh, you know, that just, I guess that just comes with time. And the fact that, you've got three generations of fans 
coming to see you? You know, who are, who are you fans of your band now? You've got, you know, I mean, even for us, and, you know, Maiden's got some years on us, certainly. But, like, even for us, I, I could look out of the crowd and, and see people who were there in the 80s, you know, even the early 80s, who are close to my age. And you could see the next generation of people, you know, who were, let's say, in their their thirties or, and then you look out and you see teenagers. I mean, it's just incredible. I mean, we literally, we literally could have grandpas coming to the show now who were fans when, you know, spreading the disease come out, came out They're like dudes who bought that record now could be grandpas. I mean, bought that record when it came out could be grandpas is what I'm trying to say. So, you know, all this time that goes by, it's not like things have gotten softer by any means, but, uh, I I just think it's because there's a large portion. Uh, there's what I'm trying to say is there's a lot more people out there. They grew up with this, yeah. you know. So when we were kids, when I was 17, uh, I didn't know there were no old people listening to Iron Maiden and Motorhead. <laughs> maybe a few years older than me, but that was it. Uh, people in their 40s and 50s, back in 1981 a 40-year-old or a 50-year-old was not listening to Iron Maiden and Motorhead. They just weren't. You know, maybe maybe they were listening to Led Zeppelin or even stuff older than that, the Beatles, certainly, or Elvis. But uh, um, they weren't listening to Maiden. But now it's different. You, you know, you've got generations of fans all listening to the same music, which I think is amazing. Absolutely. Never in my lifetime would I thought I'd go for a haircut and a guy called Milo would be wearing an Iron Maiden t-shirt. So the world does change and it is fantastic to see. <laughs> You're listening to A Dave in the Life. If you haven't already, subscribe now. Then each week you won't have to wait for the download. It'll just rock up inside you. Just like that. But you treat it like soap on a rope because the beats and the lies are so dope. Listen for lessons of saying it's Scott Ian's in the country real soon with his one-man ride tour back into September into October as well. Uh, of course, mate, it's been a couple of years since the last Anthrax record. I know you guys are super busy touring rides for the end of this year. Is there is there a record in the works? Is there plans to get one in the works? It's not in the works yet, but yes, there are plans. And, and uh, we're hoping at some point this year we could probably get in a room and and start working on some new material. And then certainly next year will be the focus in between some touring would be certainly to get together and, and work on new material. I, I don't know that we'd have a record out by the end of next year. That It just depends on how much touring we do in 19, but um, certainly we'll be working on it, uh, on it as much as, as we can, because we're all itching to, to do that again, but we still, we still have touring to do. We haven't been, to Australia yet with Anthrax on For All Kings, and we definitely need that to happen, as well as some other areas of the planet. So um, in between all that, hopefully we'll be working on new songs. Well, we'll wait patiently for a new record. If you guys can somehow clear a space in March next year and magically appear on that Download Festival for Australia in 2019, fingers crossed, uh, who knows. Uh, mate, something we ask everyone that comes on the uh, show. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Hey, there it is. We've already got Judas Priest locked in. Maybe maybe we've got Anthrax in there as well, so who knows. We, we'll perpetuate that rumour maybe a little bit over the coming months. But, hey, something I love to ask everyone, Scott, no matter what they do for a crust, for a living... First record you ever got as a fan? Do you remember what it was? Do you still own it by any chance? Well, for me, uh, yeah, I bought Kiss Alive 
um, when it, uh, well, it had already been out for a while, but then Kiss came onto my radar uh, because of rock and roll all night. And I found out it was this band called Kiss and then found out there was a record called Kiss Alive. And uh, yeah, I had to have it. You know, this is like back when that record came out. So what, sometime in late 75 maybe? Or, yeah. And uh, at the time, my dad, it was his birthday because his birthday's in November and I only had enough money to either buy a birthday present for my father or buy Kiss Alive. So I bought Kiss Alive and gave it to my dad for his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> knowing knowing that he would look at it and, and say thanks and hand it back to me, and that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> oh, that's the reason why all dads around the world keep that cup that you gave him that you made in school because it cost him absolutely bloody nothing. That's a fantastic story and a great first record. Scott Ian's <laughs> in the country the back end of September, October, the one-man ride tour. I mean, quickly before I let you go, I do this ridiculous thing every year. We're trying to get a, a massive day of memorial, kind of like Memorial Day in Australia, but we want to call it ACDC Day. So the whole country takes a day mm. off and just listens to ACDC. Do you have any fond memories of ACDC that you, you might like to share with us that we can use next year on the day? I, I have ACDC Day every day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I take off every day and listen to ACDC. Um, oh, wow, that's a tough question to- let me just tell the next interview that, that hold on one sec. Yep. Hello? Hello. Yeah, so ACDC, right? Yeah, yeah. We we lucked out and got to go see ACDC at Madison Square Garden with Axl Rose whenever that was, a year and a half ago. I don't even remember. Two years ago, but uh, um, I, I will say this. I went in extremely skeptical uh, because I just didn't know. I, I think Axel's a great singer, but I, I just didn't. I just didn't know. And uh, I, I will say it was the best rock show I had been to since seeing ACDC on Back in Black uh, all those years ago. And I've seen ACDC many times in between, but uh, seeing them with Axel that night at the Garden, their set list was mind blowing, and he just nailed it unbelievably i mean I, he does the bond stuff so great and i mean you're talking about an extremely jaded acdc fan here and uh i uh i was completely blown away i had the time of my life and uh i, I i'm hoping they do it again <laughs> that's awesome man what a great memory and thank you so much for sharing it with us looking forward to seeing you out here in just a few weeks dinner for wolves.com scotty and a pleasure mate cheers yeah cheers man thank you Thanks for listening to A Dave in the Life. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts and get in touch with the program. Facebook.com forward slash Radio or Radio on Instagram or Twitter.